Welcome, Pride and Prejudice, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to to, to discuss uh, not one, but three issues of Kitty, Pride, and Wolverine. The first one on sale November 1984, uh, cover date of 1984, uh, November, that is. And uh, this has a cover price of 75 cents. And uh, the first issue is titled... Lies. Lies. I don't have anything for that one. Is, uh, the X-Men still at 60 cents, right? The X-Men, I believe, is still at 60 cents, yeah. Or does this have more pages or something? Um, I don't know. We will talk. I think we'll talk a little bit more uh, about the content of these comics as we go through. Or maybe when we get done with the three. I have some theories, but we'll find out. On the cover of this guy, though, on the cover of this comic book anyways, you have what I assume to be either Westchester or Kitty's snowy home. Not really sure which, but definitely somewhere home. And uh, Japan on the right side. Yeah, it would appear as though Kitty Pride is phasing through a magical wall. Oh, sure. Which yeah. takes her from one side of the country to the other. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, and uh, this this line that divides the two issues will uh, become a common theme within the covers of these comic books. I kind of don't know why, but I like it. I just don't know what it means. Yeah, I, I don't really have a theory. Uh, I have no idea. We could uh, maybe as we read, uh, we'll we'll find out more. Wolverine did not make the cover. Um, however, he is in the Marvel box. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this particular issue should have been called Kitty Pride and Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, more on that as we open. I mean, not, not, not really a particularly interesting cover or really grabbing you or intriguing, in my opinion, anyways. I feel like Wolverine is... is bursting with popularity right now he's not at his peak yet but he's 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 like a train that won't stop and uh you know chris claremont wants to do another wolverine limited series but he kind of also wants he's you know he's he's he created kitty pride and he really likes her and he wants to tell a story about kitty pride well maybe maybe he's also just testing the waters to see if there's still an appetite for wolverine who knows um but yeah let's uh let's open this thing up it's chris claremont is writing alan milgram is uh, the artist, Tom Orzakowski's lettering, Glenna Sween's the colorist, Luis Jones uh, and Anne Nocenti are editing, and Him Schutter is overseeing it all. Oh, yeah. As he does. Claremont, give me another Wolverine series. He's hot. We need more shekels. Cuckoo, banana, hot. That's how hot. Cuckoo, <laughs> However hot that is. And so Kitty is... Um, She's, I think she's in Illinois uh, right now, I believe. With the rare continuity between the first panel and the cover, she is wearing the same outfit. It, it is a, what we will learn later, but I'll tell you now, it's a skating outfit uh, because she does have a day of skating planned in front of her. So it's like a black jumpsuit type deal, like tights and then like a pink skirt top number with matching boots and gloves. We learned that it has been a week since Colossus broke her heart. Which would have been uh, X-Men number 182. 
And for the most part, she's been brooding inside her house in Chicago, staying with her dad because her parents are split up. I guess she's on a trip that will end with her seeing her mom and then returning to the X-Men. So as she heads home, I guess, to... What is she doing? She's she's heading off to the skating rink, but before she goes there, she's going to stop by the bank where her dad works, uh, maybe to ask for some ice cream money or something. Not really sure why, but... Uh, she she walks up to the bank and she thinks it's very strange that there's a stretch limousine sitting out front. Must be pretty important people if they've come to see Dad. I hope it's good news. She walks up to the door and she realizes that bank's hours are 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. What kind of bank hours are those? Um, well, I mean, banks still close early, but maybe not that early. <laughs> That's really early, like... <laughs> Hey, it's a family-owned business. He can do what he wants. Yeah, apparently not work is what he wants to do. <laughs> I want to be home by 3.30. Saturday, 10 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. I mean, what's the point of even opening on Saturdays? They're open for one, two... <laughs> three and a half hours. Three and a half hours. It's not even <laughs> worth paying your staff to, like, be at the teller. Well, I suppose they need that so that, you know, maybe some of them can get, like, 24 hours in for the week. I bet those Saturdays are their busy days, though. Probably. Yeah, because everyone's like, I was at work all week and I needed to make a withdrawal. I got three and a half hours to make a deposit. <laughs> well, anyways, Kitty, like, she she looks back and forth. She's like, well, it's it's like 320. Nobody's out. So I'm just going to use my powers and phase through the door. Which she does. And uh, she phases in behind a guard who luckily is not paying attention, uh, has his back turned to the doors. Um, and she kind of admonishes herself for, I'm glad none of the X-Men saw this. I'd never hear the end of it, especially from Wolverine. He's known to critique me an awful lot. He's the worst. <laughs> he surprises, or she surprises the um, uh, security guard who drops his cigarette, because apparently this is back when it was okay to smoke cigarettes in the bank as a security guard. I feel like Chris Claremont needed to name drop Wolverine in the earliness of the issues to remind people, oh yeah, Kitty Pride and Wolverine. He'll yeah, be here. Yeah. Don't worry. I think he gets a name drop like every issue, and maybe even two or three times in this issue. Well, she uh, she's like, oh, I'm just looking for my dad. And the security guard's like, I don't get it. I could have sworn I bolted these doors. The look on Mr. Casey's face, so silly. She goes up to the presidential Carmen Pride door and uh, knows she that her father's in conference, so she's going to wait on the inside, outside. She can hear voices and... Uh, she thinks they might be yelling. She thinks she hears yelling, so she does a little little listening in, and she hears some some phrases, I guess. Extremely awkward position. Discrepancies in your bank accounts. I've already explained. Regrettably, Mr. Pride, while such altruistic behavior is to be admired, it cannot be condoned. Eventually, after all of the conversation, Kitty hears somebody slap somebody. And she shouts, Dad! And that's when the door opens and a big sumo Japanese guy comes to the door. Although he's in a suit. He's not in the sumo diaper. So, But he does have that, that telltale sumo uh, uh, ponytail thing on the top of his head. Well, spoilers, he's a former sumo wrestler. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes to the door and says, it's a child. And she she's like, I want to see my father. So she barges in. And we get to see the true scale of how large this man is in comparison to Kitty. Uh, this this guy, this dude's huge. He's he's a big old sumo dude. Shall I remove her? Just try it, Buster. She thinks to herself. 
But uh, the guy who's uh, kind of in charge here, who is not Carmen Pride, is like, oh, now we're in, Shumai. Mr. Pride understands our position. The decision is now his. So he's got a decision to make, but first he'd like an introduction to his daughter. Dad, are you all right? I heard an argument. He, uh, Mr. Pride, Carmen Pride, that is, he says, leave her out of this, Ogun. So that's, uh, we got a name, Ogun. Is that what that, that line above it? means is a is a long I thought it was like a, a Japanese squiggly line or something. Adam, I have no idea. I've always pronounced it Ogun. Ogun works for me. But uh only because Ogun, I just saying that a lot, it just sounds like it'll be hard to say. Alright, let's go with Ogun. <laughs> Plus it rhymes with Shogun. Well yeah, yeah. Leave her out of this, he says, and Kitty wants to know what exactly he's talking about. And uh, Carmen's like, oh, it's nothing. It's just a bad time. You should go. His cheek's all red, she thinks to herself. So he was the one who was slapped. Yeah, he definitely got slapped. And uh, Kitty, or Carmen, turns Kitty around and says, well, these uh, are representatives of a corporation that recently purchased this bank. Oh, no, she thinks to herself. That explains why he's been so distracted and upset. He wouldn't have done this if he had any choice. Things must have gotten really awful. Because, you see, this bank has been in the family for generations. So, problem problem solved. We now understand exactly what's going on. Hostile takeover. Don't know why he got slapped, but, you know, times must have been hard. He needed uh, some money, so he sold the bank to Japan. All right, that's uh, Kitty Pride and Wolverine. Uh, join us next week when we talk about, oh, there's more? Okay. We meet the four gentlemen who are talking to Mr. Pride. Uh, Mr. Shumai is the bodyguard. The middle two people don't matter. Nope. They're the North American management team. We will never see them again. And Mr. Ogun is from the main office. Mr. Delano there, who we never do get to see again, kind of looks like Caliban. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he doesn't speak, so let's just imagine it's Caliban. It's Caliban. Okay. I loves Kitty Pride. <laughs> uh, Ogun's eyes linger on Kitty's for a little longer than she'd prefer. She gets an instinct similar to the first time she laid eyes upon Wolverine. Remember him? Who? Hey, I think he's in this issue, isn't he? He is. Oh, good. Okay. I can't wait till we get to Wolverine's part. <laughs> I bet you he uses his super cool claws. I like Wolverine's claws. I bet he does. I bet he uses one of his many catchphrases. I bet he does that while he's using his claws. Oh, yeah. Well, Carmen says, uh, they want me to go to the head of the corporation. And Kitty's like, well, that's cool. I can wait. And then we can go to dinner afterwards. And everybody laughs at him because she's such a fool. But she says, well, uh, you didn't know this, but your dad's going to Japan now. Yep. The headquarters is in Japan. Uh, private jet's coming, and Kitty's like, oh, you're going to be there forever, because these guys are dangerous. What do I do? Uh, and uh, he says, uh, Carmen says, you should probably head back to that Professor Xavier school of yours. Indeed. And she, uh, Ogun suggests that there's room on the plane, and Kitty Pride can come, Kitty can come with her father to Japan, and Kitty wants to do that, but Carmen then flips out and says, no, absolutely not, I forbid it. My decision is final, young lady. I'll brook no further discussion. Yeah. So she's like this. Look, uh, crazy things are happening. I got a short fuse. Didn't mean to snap at you, but here's a few bucks. Uh, Why don't you take yourself over to the airport and, uh, you know, head off to that Xavier place. 
Kitty's like, oh, I don't want to involve the X-Men in this. But, uh, to which I say why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the X-Men are kind of like family. And, well, I guess one could reason that she, she left uh, Westchester to get away from everything that's been happening, specifically Colossus. So maybe the last thing she wants to do at this point is run back and ask all of them for help, knowing full well that Colossus would be there to provide some of that help. So I yeah, kind of like... I, I agree with that if she had actually said that, but she never does. She says it's better this stays in the family until she knows more information, which is fair. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah she, she, she there's plenty of times for her to call the X Men and yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't disagree. But uh, she's made her decision. She's well. She's a stubborn fourteen year old, right? So they all take off, and she's thinking to herself. Could Ogun and his boss be Yakuza? Japanese gangsters? Mm, trying to take over the banks like their American counterparts? So she's she's really thinking that this is kind of like a, a legitimate takeover, but uh, also kind of gangster style. Once you get all the banks, then you have all the power or something like that. Right. It's like uh, it's like money laundering. Yeah. You have legitimate businesses to do your dirty work, but everything's up front. She's like, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just 14 and I'm letting my imagination get away with me. There's my taxi. Well, you know what? There's really only one way to find out. Why didn't they just let her ride in the limo to go to the airport? They're going to the same place. Well, it doesn't say it here, but maybe Carmen and Ogan were going to O'Hare and Kitty was off to Midway. There's um, two, two airports. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Adam. But that doesn't make sense or because carmen's plane is leaving from midway or o'hare yeah well maybe maybe her plane to westchester was leaving from milwaukee and she was going to get a very long cab ride all right i'll buy it <laughs> and she had a last minute like nah, i'm gonna go to o'hare and well i'm gonna check the flights she gets there and she's like yep sure enough well, actually no she's not gonna get on the same flight as her father because it was a private jet but uh maybe the private jet wasn't at o'hare i have no idea adam <laughs> You're right. It doesn't make any sense. Like her big decision to go to O'Hare doesn't make any sense. But anyhow, she gets there. Uh, she checks out the terminals and she finds that there is a 747 heading from Chicago to Tokyo. So she's going to use her powers to get on that plane. And you know what that means. He also gives, Carmen also gives her uh, a note for her housekeeper. So is she supposed to go home first? Yeah, I mean, just to let the housekeeper know to, you know, keep the place up while he's off in Japan. Yeah. Hmm. So really, Kitty's totally being irresponsible here because she's totally leaving the housekeeper in a lurch. Like, what if Carmen this morning was like, I don't want you to leave until I get home. <laughs> <laughs> the housekeeper's like, where is Mr. Pride? Mr. Pride said he'd be home. <laughs> I can't leave. So, yeah, she uh, she hops into an employee's area. She sneaks her way onto one of those little luggage trucks. She's, of course, using her phasing power to do all of this. Uh, she's still in her skating uniform, carrying her skates with her, mind you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she, yeah, she's in the cargo hold. Plane takes off, and she phases through the cargo hold floor and into the airplane. This panel really gives us a... is really bringing home the point that she can't breathe when she's phasing through things. At least to me, it looks like she's holding her breath. And we'll get some dialogue about that later, too. We get a lot of dialogue, which kind of does attempts to do the job at explaining how Kitty is able to do all this. That right. talks about how she's buried in the cases and she can't really phase too much because she's afraid she'll fall out of the plane. Uh, 
This is definitely for the uninitiated X-Men uh, person. So somebody who's just picking up Kitty Pride and Wolverine and has no knowledge of the X-Men, they need this information. That They have to be real careful to avoid phasing not only through the baggage, but the aircraft's hull as well. I can walk on air when I use my powers, but I'd rather do it closer to the ground at a lot slower speed. I'm not sure how that works. So she's traveling at the speed of an airplane, but she's walking. So I guess it's... Well, based on how she explains it, and I thought the same thing too, but based on the way she explains it, it's as if she has to walk through air at the same speed that the airplane is traveling. Right. Which, which I'm willing to buy. Um, I don't know. Let me give you this example, Adam. This is... Uh, if you're driving in a car and you throw a penny up in the air while you're in the car, there's no windows, there's nothing to act upon you, that window will go up. Or, I mean, sorry, that, that coin will go up and that coin will come back down. It doesn't, like, fly straight back. No, I agree with that. However, uh, if you were to uh, pop that coin into the air and then slam on the brakes, changing your inertia, that coin is not going to go straight down. It's going to go uh, back or forward. So I think in this case... I would like to think that as the airplane's moving and Kitty's phasing, as long as the airplane doesn't do any sharp turns or speed increases or decreases, uh, she probably just has to maintain, uh, she doesn't have to, to, to counterbalance those effects. And I'm totally fine with all of that. <laughs> I really, you know, I'm, I don't have a problem with this at all. And just really, I guess it makes me more curious about how her ability to walk through walls works that they need to put all this explanation in there. Um, I would imagine like like if she's creating some sort of floor underneath her feet when she walks through the walls, which she's obviously not doing mm-hmm. uh, or walk, walks through air. So she's creating essentially a floor in the air. I would imagine that that floor were somehow attached to the plane and therefore she wouldn't really have to worry about speed. Yeah, I've, I, yeah, I've always kind of had a problem with how they portray kitties walking through air, especially in later issues, uh, actually upcoming issues. We'll see her like essentially walking up invisible stairs in the air. Mm-hmm. But to me, what makes more sense is if kitty's phasing, she's weightless, she's like a ghost. And so rather than walking through air or walking up invisible stairs, I think she should just be floating. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, I can, mm-hmm. I, I phase and I'm weightless. And then further explain the power to be like, when I'm weightless and I'm not passing through something, I can breathe. But as soon as I pass through something, there's not oxygen in that thing, so I can't breathe. So I have to make sure that I'm not phasing through, you know, a mile of concrete. She compares it at some point in this uh, first three issues to, like, swimming. Yeah. And that, I, I, I like, that, I like that analogy. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, anyhow, she uh, she gets herself to a seat. She grabs a pillow and she's she's about to get herself some shut eye. She's she's so tired. She just like to take a little nap uh, before she gets to Japan. But right before she falls asleep, an airline stewardess shakes her awake. Sorry to make you wish, but may, miss, but wait, may I see your uh, ticket and boarding pass? I don't have one. What's the difference between a ticket and a boarding pass? I thought they were the same thing. Uh, I always thought you exchanged your ticket for a boarding pass, but I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the stewardess is like, I thought so. We don't see many outfits like yours. I'd have remembered it. She didn't pick out the 14-year-old girl in the pink outfit. Right, right. She would have noticed it the first time through. 
So uh, she asks for the passport and identification. Kitty doesn't have any of that. And Kitty's like, or the the person's like, how did you get on? Is this some sort of a prank? She's tempted to start to explain, but then she realizes that her story is fantastical. And she says, yeah, I did it on a dare. I'll have to report this to the captain. Are you sure you've told me everything? Yeah. She doesn't believe me, Kitty thinks to herself. Well, the plane lands finally in Japan, so I I would imagine she got some sleep. I mean, like, what are they going to do? Keep her awake for no reason on the 10-hour flight? She says that the stewardess is really nice. They talk a lot. She must have kids her own age. Okay, sure. She almost tells her the whole story a couple times, but she manages not to. So when the plane finally lands, of course, Kitty phases through the seat in the hull of the airplane onto the tarmac. Uh, and the stewardess is like, where'd you go? This is weird. The captain's going to love this. Fortunately, in that skating costume, the child shouldn't be too hard to locate. Little does she know. Kitty phases through the hall. She's got her skate. She's got her blanket. She surprises some luggage people, uh, and then she runs away. Uh, the luggage people talk to security, so security's looking for them. But she's able to make it out of the airport pretty quickly, so... I have to imagine that, like, an airport in Tokyo, Japan's got to be huge. But, uh, yeah, it just takes her three panels to get out of it. I've been to the airport in Tokyo. Is it huge? I'm pretty sure that I was only in a portion of it, and, yeah, it was pretty big. (laughs) But she's able to make her way to a bus, and as she fades, uh, phases into the train, or bus, rather, and then solidifies, she bumps into a guy who's very angry at her. (laughs) But this actually gives us uh, our excuse to learn some information that when she first visited Japan with the X-Men, Professor Xavier telepathically taught everybody to speak uh, Japan uh, Japanese. So thanks to him, she speaks it natively. So Which did- is a pretty handy feature because having traveled, I would have to say that the worst part of traveling is when you – after you've landed and – you're kind of on your own and you have you have to figure out how to get where you're going. Yeah. And if you don't speak the language, which I never do, it's, it's very stressful. I bet. So it's uh, this is a really handy thing for her. Yeah. So she leaves the train or the bus rather uh, and she's she's in Tokyo. So she doesn't really know where to look. Uh, but then she starts using uh, some of her deducted reasoning, and she realizes that Ogun had mentioned that his boss was named Shigemetsu, and so mm-hmm. she's able to uh, use the phone to call information to get Shigemetsu's corporation, which just happens to be right down the street, so that's super handy. Yeah. So she finds the building, and it's uh, it's a big skyscraper. It's got like a, what do you call the three pieces of wood there? Very traditional Japanese arc thing. Let's call them... Three pieces of wood. All righty. <laughs> Three pieces of wood in a very Japanese configuration on top of the building. So she's like, well, uh, looks like it's getting rain. Or it's going to rain. I'm not dressed for rain. I don't really have much money. Uh, well, why don't I just sleep in the skyscraper? I mean, it's where I want to be anyways. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so she does her kind of walking on. To me, it looks like she's walking on stairs up. Um, but she walks on air to a high floor, finds an office, finds a couch, falls asleep. And passes out. But not for very long, I don't think. I think that's kind of what we're getting at here is that she's 
she's she's wanting to go to sleep. She wanted to go to sleep on the plane. She's wanted to go here, but every time she wants to go to sleep, she gets woken up. And uh, it's this time it's the cleaning crew. The cleaning crew calls a guard. Guard comes and is you know Kitty's like in Japanese. Let me explain. I mean no harm. But security guy he just starts shooting. Yeah, which is very strange. Um, but I guess that's just to tip us off to what kind of place this is. Yeah. She was she was right with her instincts. These are uh, there's some gangsters. Definitely. She phases through the window. The bullets hit the window, so it crashes the window. So the guard thinks, well, I must have got her, and she must have fallen out the window. Uh, and her skates, her skates, there's some ice skates over there. Kitty thinks to herself, oh, my favorite skates. I left them behind. The alarm's been sounded. Once my dad sees the skates, he's going to see the name tag and know I'm here. Oh. Oh. All right, I looked it up. A Tori symbol is the traditional Japanese gate most commonly found at the entrance of or within a Shinto shrine where it symbolically marks the transition from the profane to the sacred. There you go. That's what's atop of Shigematsu's building. Kitty, uh, it starts raining really hard and she's walking around. Uh, She starts sniffling. She's soaked. Car splashes her with water. She sneezes. And this is where I really start to feel for Kitty because I've been in this situation and it sucks. <laughs> Alone, you got no money, you're getting sick, you're tired. You're in a foreign country, you're, you don't feel very happy because you don't know where you are. The weather is crappy. You don't know what you're going to do. You're poor. Yeah. Well, Kitty, she's able to phase into a building, uh, which happens to have an ATM, and she thinks to herself, oh, man, I could just stick my hand in there, grab some money. No, no, I wouldn't steal. I just borrowed. I'd pay it back. So she does. She phases in there. She grabs some money. She's really proud of herself. Jackpot, she says. She's got a handful of cash. But then an alarm goes off. There's In that jackpot panel, there is a camera off to the side. You're right, there is. Camera goes off and she freaks out and drops the money, phases out of the building, but the the cops are like right there. Why would she drop the money? I think she says a little later that she was so surprised that she dropped the money. And they call it they don't call it an ATM yet. It's a computeller. Oh, true. <laughs> I'm way ahead of the time here. <laughs> uh so yeah, the, the the cops are like there she is, go get her. She does comment, how did they get here so fast? It's almost as if they were waiting. Almost. And uh, she runs uh, to a dead end, but she phases through the floor. The security, the cops like, what? I didn't grab much of a breath when I phased. I hope there's open air somewhere close beneath me. I'm lucky, sort of. She falls into a sewer. She's able to solidify, but she's wet, she's cold. Now she probably stinks. Yeah. Water just scoots her down. Uh... She she finally, she can't stop shaking. She doesn't think she'll ever be warm again. She feels rotten, that not just because she's sick, but because she's a thief. That's when she meets the Japanese equivalent of the Morlocks. I think we missed something. I think, didn't she realize what actually his father is doing? Not yet. Okay, because he thinks, or Kitty thinks to herself, he's a thief and so am I. Reason- yeah, that is a, that is a bit of a, a conclusion to jump to, but... 
What did she see in the office? Didn't she see some documentation or something? Um, not really. I mean, I I know the scene that you're talking about, and it's coming up. Okay, I'm just wondering why she's jumping to the conclusion that her father's a thief. No, I don't think we've got. I guess because she's the 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 gangster with the gun. Uh, the I, she's he's working with gangsters. She's uh, drawing the worst possible conclusion. Okay. Um, the guard tried to shoot her. It's bad people. She had a small fortune in her hands, but she was so spooked by the alarm that she dropped it. Maybe that's for the best. Then she's like, I'm hot. I got a fever. Or she, she's not hot. She's cold, but her head's hot. She's like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call. I'm going to call the X-Men. Yep. What I wouldn't give for some of Peter's special cuddles, except that what made them special was the fact that we loved each other. That isn't true anymore. So she calls, I'd like to call the United States, Professor Xavier's School for the Gifted Youngsters in Salem Center, New York. Phone gets connected. Yo, a call from who? Punkin, what the devil's going on? Says a familiar Wolverine. And she thinks to herself, Wolverine, I can't speak, I'm too ashamed. She hangs up and we get Wolverine wearing a half shirt, looking at the phone with a giant question mark over his head. Yeah, Al Milgram's never drawn Wolverine before. <laughs> first time i think you'd look good in a half shirt don't you over he's always wearing those half shirts <laughs> and she turns around and sees a storefront with some tvs that has her picture all over it saying that there's a 16 year old girl who's wanted for questioning in uh, an attempted robbery dumb 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 there was a camera in the teller booth if i had any brains i would i'd have disabled it right off so that's it. She's 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 done, right? She can't she can't talk to the X Men. She's got no money. She's hungry. She's sick. So she's gonna go own up to Dad. She goes back to the Shigematsu building and goes straight up to the executive office, um, which I guess she happens upon. We hear a voice say, um, "I trust you spent the evening or pleasant evening, Pride Son." And that you understand our arrangement in return for appropriate remuneration, we will launder funds from our illicit operations through your bank and from there channel them into legitimate investments. Agreed? And Carmen Pride's like, you just, you don't have to be so clear about it. <laughs> like, you could be a little vague. Like, I know nobody's listening, but yeah, I read the document. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been talking about this for like 12 hours <laughs> i in fact if you could just stop using the word illicit uh you know i might feel a little bit more comfortable about this but kitty's head explodes into a thousand lightning bolts and she says Dad! next terror and in fact the next issue is titled terror my favorite part of this issue was all of the wolverine <laughs> <laughs> all two panels yeah. yeah. Yo. <laughs> Pumpkin, question mark. Yep, uh, this cover is uh, way better than the last cover, in my opinion. Although, I mean, the last, the last cover does set the tone. I mean, exactly, the last panel really did summarize the entire issue. I mean, like, all we had to do is really look at that, and that's the issue. This one, on the other hand, is a little bit more confusing. We've got uh, Kitty Pride on one side, and we've got a red devil mask on the left side, with a ninja behind his ear, and we got Wolverine fighting on Kitty's 
shoulder. And then we've got that same line dividing the comic book, comic book into two. I, the, the line makes a little bit more sense here because you're dividing two halves of things, mm-hmm. which as, as we'll read, uh, will come clear. Yep. Uh, this one has a cover date of December 1984. It's on sale September 18th. Still 75 cents. And as mentioned previously, it is titled Terror. Or Terror. Terror. And uh, we, we start right where we left off where Kitty's going, Dad! Kitty? Says Carmen. And, uh, hey, you were wrong. Caliban's there. Oh, you're right. <laughs> he doesn't say anything, but he's there. <laughs> the other guy's not. Yeah, they left the other guy behind. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they're all like, I do not like spies. Get her! That's Same creative team? Oh, yeah, sorry. That's, a, that's oh. just to be assumed, right? I, I don't see any differences, so... Nope, same creative team. Um, actually, I take it back. Uh, Anne Nocenti is editing all by herself. Oh, she wasn't? No, Luis Jones was helping her out last issue. Oh, okay. Two editors, which seems seems a little weird. Well, maybe she needed... She could only edit half the issue, and she's like, Louise, can you pick up these last two pages for me? Be a doll. Finish this off for me. I was totally unable to edit them. <laughs> Mr. Shigematsu is like, get her. And Carmen's like, no, she's my daughter. She's my daughter, Catherine. And uh, Kitty, she takes a chair and she flings it at all of the guys hard. I'm, I'm still more than a match for any bunch of big belly goons. They think I'm just a kid. They don't know I'm a mutant. One of the uncanny X-Men. Taught how to fight by one of my teammates, probably the sneakiest, scariest guy there is, Wolverine from the title. <laughs> Remember him? I talked to him last issue on the phone for two panels. Uh, I'm a bona fide heroine. That's me. I've saved the world. Been to the other side of the universe. I don't care about these chumps. She does. She, she's starting to say scraps and capers. She's speaking in Wolverine's language. Yeah. Yeah. Well. This scrap's a welcome opportunity to burn off some anger. Tell the truth, though, I didn't realize I had it in me. Yeah, so she even knocks over Mr. Shigematsu, and that's, that can't be good, right? Because that's no. a powerful man. Yeah, that guy's upset. He takes off, and Carmen's like, Kitty, let me explain. But but she's gone. It is revealed now that Ogun was also there? Yep, Ogun, why didn't you stop her? And he was just standing in the background? He's like... I am not one of your bodyguards, Shigematsu-san. Do not make the mistake of addressing me as such. The, uh, Shigematsu immediately apologizes because uh, Ogun's tough. He's, yeah. he's, he's a bad dude. He's like the Japanese Wolverine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I will deal with her. In fact, you may consider her life full payment for the service I have rendered you. He's got a tiny little chin beard. So no money, just her life. And uh, Mr. Shigematsu's like, that's all? Huh, by all means, she's yours. Carmen heard his daughter's name, and he's all like, "Wait, wait, stay away from my daughter!" And uh, he he goes after Ogun, but uh, eh, Ogun's not even trying. But he's just kind of dodging out of the way, pushing Carmen around. He's making Carmen look like a chump. Heed my words: your child is as one is as one dead. She is mine now, lost to you forever. Seek her out, and you will die. Essentially. Yeah, he's got his arm around his back, and I'm assuming it's some sort of like, I'll break your arm if you say anything negative. And so he reluctantly agrees. Some father he is. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, you don't say yes until he's ripped your arm off and is beating you over the head with that arm. Then maybe you say yes, but until that, you you, you suck it up. Right. 
You fight. Yeah. It's your daughter you're talking about. Oh, he's had a hard year. Kitty has learned the hard way not to push her luck. So she's out of there. She's phasing through walls. She's phasing through floors. She's scaring people left and right. She's like, these people are going to have a really interesting lunch conversation, seeing me phase and stuff. She makes her way all the way to like the sub basement. There's a uh, there's an interesting combination, and it started last issue, and it continues probably through the whole series of captions and word bubbles. So sometimes she's thinking of herself and she's narrating the story, but sometimes she's thinking to herself and narrating the action as it's happening. Hmm, maybe. It's, it's weird. Yeah, no, it's weird. I wonder how Chris Clement decides, uh, this should be a caption. Yeah, this is a word balloon. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Um, so she phases through to the sub-basement. Um, she's uh, she's getting tired. She's She's definitely got some flu-like symptoms going on. She's sweating probably like some cold sweats and she's barely holding on. So she's like, all right, I just, just need a break. Um, and she says, uh, that she feels like she's been punched in the throat. Try as she might, she can't get a decent breath, but she needs one. Cause, uh, phasing through solids has the same risks for me as swimming underwater. Right. So, so that's, that's, uh, and I like that, that, that makes her power, I don't know, realistic to me for some reason. <laughs> and a guy in a suit with a red devil head, Shows up, the same red devil head from the cover, and he blows green poofy smoke at Kitty's face. Oof. And she falls over. She falls unconscious. And that's the end of Kitty Pride and Wolverine, the limited series. Yep. Uh, This is the issue where Kitty dies. Indeed. Yeah, there's actually an epilogue here of Wolverine attending the funeral. Um, (laughs) And nobody else, though. It's just Kitty Pride and Wolverine, I guess. I couldn't tell anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at John F. Kennedy International Airport in New York, there's a man smoking a cigarette that has a cowboy hat who keeps setting off the metal detectors. And that's when Magneto appears behind him and says, Wolverine, the future is coming. And then Professor X shows up, but he's dead. (laughs) None of this makes any sense, but we're going to need your help. And we're not going to actually follow this thing up with anything in the movie. So, yeah. (laughs) No, none of that happens. Nope. But... (laughs) Wolverine says that um, he's got he's got papers that allow him to travel because his bones have metal implants and that allows him to get through. It appears to be in order, Mr. Logan. My question is this, Adam, uh, on his passport, does it say just Logan? Does it say Mr. Logan? Does it say Logan Logan? It says Logan Logan. <laughs> I mean, you can't have an official document with one name on it unless I guess you really only have one name, which is odd but possible yes it just his document just says logan okay or maybe logan x oh maybe. and the guy called him mr x earlier but he was like just call me mr logan <laughs> i'm x logan all right are you traveling to tokyo for business or pleasure he boards the the walkway and he says i'm going there business cut back to uh well we cut to darkness anybody home a light comes on a Click. spotlight Directly over Kitty Pride, who is standing inert. She can't move from the neck down. As long as she's paralyzed, she doesn't dare phase because she thinks she might suffocate, which is definitely truth if she can't move. She she wonders where she is when she hears a whiz go behind her. Whiz! What's this? This is creepy. Is it a dream? No such luck. I want so bad to be brave. 
I scream anyways. I can't help myself. And that's when a ninja devil mask guy comes with a sword and swipes down at her arm, cutting her skating uniform. She's like, hey, this is my favorite outfit. Leave it alone. Leave me alone, she thinks to herself in a caption. And I'm I'm assuming she's being brave here because otherwise this dialogue makes no sense. Yeah. Well, it's like a nervous uh, bravery, I guess, or I don't know. What's he going to do next? Uh, the guy, he comes out of nowhere with a sword towards her neck, and she's like, I'm dead. Nope, nope, I'm wrong. I'm not I'm not dead. He uh, pulls his sword away. Um, I don't, yeah, he's, the ninja's just being crazy here. He's, he's freaking her out. He strikes at the back of her legs and swings and again stops just short of, of touching her. This time he just taps her legs, and she drops to the floor. And then he uses his sword uh, in a crazy sort of way when he actually makes his move, and it turns out not to be as bad as she feared. It's all across her head, to the side, to the back, to the top, and he's just cutting her hair off. She's got a crazy punk haircut now. <laughs> she finds herself almost grateful. She, she in this panel here where her face is split in two, almost looks like an early David Bowie with brown hair. <laughs> I don't know, some some picture I'm thinking of that, that looks similar. But uh, she's got a buzz cut now. And the ninja is, is just cutting up uh, at her costume, not not to make her naked or anything, but I think she, he's breaking her. Yeah, he's, he's cutting her apart figuratively and mentally. Right. And so she's there kneeling uh, in the spotlight. Her, her clothes are in tatters. Uh, and now the ninja is going to um, hit her with the final strike. He stands above her. He drops down the sword with a loud, Okay, <laughs> And the blade stops just at her forehead. And she thinks she should be dead, but she falls over onto her back. Um, all I can see, the only thing I'm aware of is the light. I can't close my eyes or look away. It becomes the core of my universe, the focus of my existence, until he takes its place. She falls down, down into the darkness, and when she lands at the bottom of the darkness, she is a tiny baby. And now, I think this is Ogun, right? Yep, this yeah. is Ogun. It's Ogun. He's not wearing the devil mask, even if it presumably it was, but... You can tell because of the tiny beard chin. Yeah. Chin, chin, chin beard. And so he, the uh, kitty, is a baby on the ground, crying, and uh, Ogun is like, all right, let's begin. Watch me, little one. He does a series of moves, and uh, now toddler kitty does the same moves, but falls over on the last one. Ogun's like, do it again. And again, and again, and again. Kitty was an ugly child. <laughs> I feel like she's a reject from Garbage Pail Kids of the movie. She does kind of look like that. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets out his uh, throwing stars, the shuriken, and he throws them at a wooden cutout of a human, hitting him in the head, throat, and heart, and has toddler Kitty do the same thing, but it basically hits on the ground or just bounces off uh, the ankle. Except for the last one, so she's getting better. Yes, um, time is passing, and she's starting to get a little bit bigger. She's maybe uh, she's maybe six now. She does the bow staff. She's got kind of mid-length hair. Then she does the sigh. She's got longer hair. So, yes, each weapon uh, is getting her older and older. And then she starts using tiger claw magic, which is, I think, her phasing. In the air? Ah, yes, I can walk on air, silent as a summer breeze. As always, he senses my approach. What? Not there? But this time I fool him, and he forgets. I can move easily through the floor. 
but fast as I am, my lord is faster. And so even though she pulled off this trick, uh, he is able to flip her up and around. She looks like she's actually a young teenager now. Yep, yep. Or, you know, 10, 11, 12, something like that. More time passes. She now is able to hit the uh, wooden target with the shurikens at the uh, same place, forehead, throat, heart. Yes, they, they throw simultaneously and they both hit head, neck, and heart. The heart represented by a heart. <laughs> they sword fight, and uh, this sword fight basically ends in a stalemate, indicating that they are evenly matched. I am ready. Well, it's stalemate, but the final killing blow was his, and she phases. Right, right, so that's true. He's he's impressed, so I guess he was he was prepared to kill her. And now we have kind of a, a mirrored panel set of... Ogun on one side and Kitty on the other side, matching moves, maybe heading towards each other or, uh, I don't know, just just uh, uh, shadowing each other's moves until the middle panel when I think it's indicating that they become one. Right. There is no more us, only I alone. And now she's alone. She puts on the devil's mask. On the previous page, he called her daughter, which made her feel proud. So basically, uh, we're the, she's being brainwashed. But now she is uh, she is back to being her own age. Her hair is once again chopped off, and and as I said, she puts on the devil's mask. So bef- before we go on any further, and spoilers, like I only read three issues, and I'm not going to get an answer to my question in these three issues. So maybe it's explained later. But how much time has passed in that whole brainwashing session? Well, I think what's happening is. Um, Ogun has created a way to very quickly train someone without uh, just by training their mind somehow. Okay. I, buy, I mean, they, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a sci-fi sort of comic booky concept, but they, they kind of go into it a little bit more in the next issue. But so I, I feel like, you know, you know, we, we saw the magic miniseries and we saw how Ilyana was kind of, treated the same way, sort of. Uh, but that took place over many years, which makes a lot more sense that the conditioning and the brainwashing and the training would all take hold. Um, right. The, the, this is all just Kitty's perception. Obviously, right. she doesn't really turn into a baby and the baby doesn't learn martial arts. That would be silly. No, all of that obviously is figurative and all that works fine. That's, that's alliterative and all that sort of stuff. Um, but the passage of time is the only thing that strikes me. Like if this was all of that figurative stuff happening over the course of a year, I'm I'm in. I totally buy it. Uh, otherwise, it does have to be some sort of sci-fi hypnosis potion thing that yeah. they don't talk about, at least in the first three issues. It's only been, let's say, at most a few days. At, yeah, at the absolute most a few days. So anyways, uh, on with the tokyo it's been at least 24 hours because that's how long it takes to get to Tokyo. True. So uh, minimum 24, maximum 72. Hideo, hit the lights, somebody says. Shigematsu. It's Shigematsu. Shigematsu-san, they don't work. Cover the room, Hideo, just in case it's trouble. The desk, I saw something move. Evening, gents. A man lights a cigarette off the desk. An intruder, remove him, says Shigematsu. Apparently the bullets hit the back of the chair and don't go through. That's what I'm thinking is happening. I'm not really sure. Yeah, there's like a little recoil though. But yeah. Thup, thup. Yeah. Did we hit him? I don't know. Can't see. How could we have missed? Easy, bub, says two claws. (laughs) 
Snicket, snicket. Not the most hospitable of welcomes. I'm assuming those two claws are going from either side of the chair. Yeah. Seems to be a, a frame of a chair there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm just imagining it. I, I think he's got his arms crossed, and uh, now that the bullets have shot, he pops his claws, indicating that it's about to go down. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like that better. <laughs> so he, he, I think he kills a couple guards, but I can't be sure. Maybe he just knocks them over. There's definitely blood. Yeah. So he, he hurts some people. Beg pardon, ladies. Shigumatsu-san and me have got business, private business to discuss. And that's when the lady on the right pulls out her um, needles from her hair and throws them at Wolverine. And the other one leaps into the air and Wolverine says, oh, they're bodyguards too. Nasty. <laughs> but then so am I. And he takes out the two girls. Shigematsu's like, who are you? The wrong person to have is your enemy, bub. Wolverine? Yep. Oh, what do you want? Yep. Oh, wait. I mean, Kitty Pride. Who? Uh, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't know who she is. You need to get her. I'm going to pop my claws. Now they're at your chin. Uh, Shigematsu-san calls Ogun and says, uh, Wolverine wants Kitty Pride back. Ogun stalls and says, um, hold on. I got some, uh, some, some stuff to attend to. Shouldn't take too long. <laughs> Shigematsu's like pooping his pants at this point. <laughs> How long? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't give me much time and he has claws. Wolverine's like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and Ogun opens up the door into uh, a room where... A large empty room. Where Kitty with the devil mask is sitting in between the swords. At least we assume. It's got to be unless she's got some other murderous hi sensei he says kill her and six six ninja drop out from various uh drop in and out of the room from the ceiling the floor uh one of them bamfs in must be nightcrawler <laughs> they all have different weapons they got like chains and uh the three things that aren't quite nunchucks but look like nunchucks all sorts of crazy weapons they are handily bested by uh the devil figure who doesn't even need to draw her sword from its uh, sheath. The last one, however, gets pulls her sword towards him and manages to uh, slide his uh, scythe in a killing bro blow. Uh, and that's when we do learn that it definitely is Kitty Pride because she phases. Mm. And he says, you're a ghost. And she says, can a ghost do this? And then he's like, oh, my God, you're 14. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> the sacred blade is drawn. It must, uh, before it sleeps once more, it tastes, must taste blood, she says, and runs up to the ninja. She's ready to kill. She's going to cut this man in half until Ogun says, Aye! The exercise is ended. Leave us, Matsuo. Be grateful for your life. I did well, sensei. A true daughter of the demon. Better, in fact, than I was at your age. Make yourself presentable, then join me in my study. I left a phone call waiting. I'll, <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> well, Shikamatsu-san, thanks for waiting. I know that was loud and took a while, but uh, uh, got some good news for you. We can arrange a meeting for tomorrow. It's okay. We started to play cards. <laughs> I got gin, but then he cut the cards up. <laughs> So he pulls out a picture of Wolverine. This uh, Ogun has a previous relationship with Wolverine. And he's like, well, how strange to see you, my old comrade. He talks about his uh, conditioning. So he's got some sort of conditioning that he put 
Kitty through. Um, Wolverine, he says, is going to be the ultimate test of his conditioning. Ah, so he will not have any dandruff any longer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. All right. So, and he doesn't really want to send Kitty after him, but uh, since Wolverine is her teammate and a friend, he will prove the ultimate test of the conditioning. So this is kind of, uh, this is do or die. Like it's either going to work or it's not going to work. And we're going to find out soon. So that is the only mention we will get of the conditioning. Yes. Uh, Kitty comes in. She's like, I'm here, Sensei. Uh, answer to your summons. Command me and I shall obey. I have an enemy, a Gaijin. Uh, if not stopped, you will seek my life. I wish you to deal with him. Trouble yourself no longer about the foreign devil, Sensei. He is <laughs> as good as dead. Can we watch Star Wars again? <laughs> it's my favorite. I like the Yoda guy. Next, a duel. A death. What? And the next cover, well, is it called A Duel of Death? No, it's just called Death. Yeah, this this issue, which is uh, published uh, October 16th of 1984 and has a cover date of January of 1985, is titled Death. And on the cover of this, you have the same split panel thing going on. You got Wolverine on the left and you got Kitty on the right. Well, this time, the split is just the light shining off of kitty's sword i like the concept of the split covers i just wish like there was uh some continuity between like the left side and the right side and maybe there is no although ogan's mask was on the left side last time i don't know maybe there's a conclusion that we could draw somewhere but it, i don't think there is i mean it's i think it's really just a concept without any reasoning Maybe in one or two issues, there's a good reason for kind of dividing up halves. Last issue, it worked well. I mean, you saw the two sides of Kitty. You saw innocent Kitty on one side and then, uh, you know. It always works well. It just doesn't, it's not, it doesn't seem to be continuous through, like. I think next week, there's a couple of issues that I might not think work quite so well, but maybe not. I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, this cover's good. I mean, if you're in the comic book store and you see Wolverine flying out at this short-haired ninja girl, you're like, oh man, Wolverine in a house. Love me some Wolverine. And then you read the title and you're like, is that Kitty Pride? Who's Kitty Pride? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So again, called Death. Uh, same creative staff. Same creative staff. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see a familiar short-haired woman. No, it's not Kitty. Somebody else, very familiar in the shadows, running towards Wolverine. But I, you're led to believe that it's Kitty. Okay. I, I think. Maybe. Well, I mean, I would, yeah. Okay. I've read it already, but I, I, I immediately knew who this was. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But imagine, if you will, that this is your first exposure to uh, the Wolverine story. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. And you don't, and you don't read X Men either. Okay, you just started reading Kitty Pride and, and Wolverine for unknown reasons. It seems like a very weird thing to do, but that could happen. <laughs> sure. Uh, so this is Wolverine now narrating most of, uh, I think, all of this issue, and uh, it's all done in his typical "Give me the free open elemental spaces in my mountains." Blah 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 blah. blah. Don't know why I like this city, <laughs> but I do. It's probably the most structured society on earth, laced tight with centuries of tradition and ritual covering every aspect. I was born to one world, but I choose to be part of this other. I'm Wolverine. I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do isn't very nice. Kia! 
but what I do best isn't very nice. Don't we eventually lose that best, that second we do. best? Okay, good. We do eventually. <laughs> it's, just, it's not very rhythmic with that extra best in there. <laughs> it's getting there, though. Yeah, no, it's it's the same as in the Wolverine limited series and the few times he said it in the X-Men, but eventually we will leave I feel what like, I do best. I feel like there was another version of this that was wordier, but I can't recall exactly how it went. I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do the very best isn't very the very best nice. <laughs> Something like that. Maybe a couple <laughs> extra varies or I don't remember. I'm the very best at what I do. <laughs> but what I do the very best isn't very nice. Best. Nice. I'm Wolverine. Well, it uh, it's Yukio. Yeah, and he doesn't... It's it's weird because he doesn't seem to know that at first. I guess we wouldn't either. I mean, like if if your scenario was, was what you just said, all we see is a short-haired woman in a black outfit and we see kind of highlights of her face. But Wolverine smells and he know, he, he should know who this is. Well, we'll find that out in just a moment. But uh, he does say that she she comes from downwind or something. They fight for a little while and then they embrace and uh, and they kiss and uh, and then he he puts his claws under her chin and says "gotcha," which leads me to believe that he knows who she is. I think eventually he does, but he's like coming up from downwind like you did. I couldn't spot your scent. He says her catchphrase. <laughs> oh, that's right. She's like, you stole it from me, you jerk. I'm gotcha. <laughs> yeah, and so they kiss and then they... I don't know why they're not speaking in Japanese either. I don't know. But after they kiss, they snuggle for like a little bit. Well, it says later dot dot dot, but they're still wearing their costumes. Well, they took them off and then put them back on. So like... I don't know. And I think maybe they made out a little bit. Nah. This is, I just. Wolverine smoking a cigarette. <laughs> this is, this is the Japanese booty call. <laughs> I mean, he, he'll eventually say like, you know, we can never be together. And she's like, I don't know what you see in that Mariko girl. And then they'll part ways. But I think in the meantime, they're both like, you're a man. Or, you're a, you're, you're, you're a woman. I'm a man. We both got needs. They got a weird relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh uh, friends with benefits. Yeah. Sure. Even though Wolverine's heart belongs to another. Yeah, well, but. sex doesn't mean love, Adam. You can't tame the Wolverine. <laughs> That's right. He's the best at what he does. <laughs> and what he does is, I don't know. Yeah, so they, they talk a while. He's looking for Kitty and some Yakuza people and wants to know if um, she's got any information or maybe you can help out. She agrees to help out. Um, she's going to get some of her sources to, because apparently she's got sources now. Yeah. She's going to she's gonna go to the Oyaban, who I don't know who that is. I believe the Oyaban is referring to Shag Shagetsu. Shigematsu? Shigematsu. Okay. <laughs> boss. Oyaban means boss. Perfect. It's pronounced Oyabun. Oyabun. That's exactly how Yukio says it. Yukio, she she does her typical backward, carefree dive off the uh, the ceiling, and she's off. And so Wolverine, he's gonna start doing some tracking. So yeah, so she, he heads off to the temple uh, where the meat has been specified for. Um, they talked a little bit earlier, like they know it's a trap, but Wolverine's like, look, if it's a trap, if it's not a trap, I'm gonna get Kitty. If it is a trap, well, I'm gonna know where Kitty's at, so I'm just gonna go for it. And here he's thinking to himself in word balloons and stopped thinking to himself in captions. Yeah, I feel like the captions are like the 
the the pros, whereas the thought balloons are like the immediate plans that need to be made. I don't know. He's thinking about didn't ask to change, but I couldn't deny it either. Once it happened, that feels like a caption to me. True. And he's talking about his personality change. He used to be a wild guy, and now he's he's not so much. Anyways, while he's waiting there, an arrow, a flaming arrow, comes up from over the temple and hits him, like in the back or something, it looks like. Um, well, yeah, it looks like it comes from the back, but he must turn around at the last second because he gets a face full of stink bomb. And he thinks to himself, stink bomb, opposition trying to be cute. It's, he thinks it's a brilliant ploy. He can't get the stench out of his nostrils. His enhanced sense of smell is utterly neutralized. That's a caption. Double cross. I got some nerve calling the kid an amateur. A novice agent fresh out of trade school wouldn't have been so careless. Blast! Earlier he called Kitty an an amateur because because he was talking about how, you know, she got seen in Japan and was robbed in ATM and all that stuff. Oh, right, 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 right. So she's an amateur. Look at me. I just got shot with an arrow. (laughs) Kitty should be rescuing me about now. This time they call ATM a bank cash machine. Oh, not a computeller? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Wolverine's got an arrow in his leg. He tears it out. Some shurikens come whizzing out of nowhere, but he's able to deflect them with his claws. He doesn't just tear it out. He breaks it in half, and then he pulls one half out the one side and one half out the other side. Yeah. Well, he's got a healing factor, so he'll be okay. No, he leaves part of it in his leg. I mean... Well, he does, but then in the last panel, he finally oh, pulls it out. Yep. In when shadows. He get, when he gets a breather. Yep. Shoot. If all the scraps were easy, that wouldn't be fun. I like a challenge as much as Yukio. I just don't go looking for him as much anymore. So he gets that thing out of his leg. He's kind of sitting there, just thinking to himself, if I were assigned at the job of killing me, how would I do it? What would be my next move? And just as he thinks of that, a split second later, there's a ninja behind him, and he turns around to deflect her, uh, I don't know, tiger claw. Yeah, she's got her tiger claws on. She was using them before, but she uses a technique where she goes one where he has to uh, he has to block, and, well, she uses her other hand to... Uh, slash him at the face, and then she she does that same technique where she she keeps drawing his claws towards breaking her tiger claws, and while she does that, she's able to hit him. Yeah, kicks him, cuts him in the face, uh, and then finally he's able to bring the ninja in closer to him, and uh, he's like, that's it, fight's over. He swipes both of his claws at her midsection, but he misses. Missed? But how? Yeah, how indeed. Tries again, and she jumps around him. She kicks him off of the roof that that they've uh, gone up the top to. As soon as he lands, he feels dipped, or his nerves have been dipped in acid. Uh, The arrows were were lined with poison, and when he was hit with them, it started circulating into his blood. So now if he keeps fighting, he will probably be killed. So he needs to make a speedy exit and let his healing factor have a chance to recuperate. So he finds an alleyway, buries himself in some newspaper, and just apologizes to Kitty that she deserved better. Sorry, Kitty. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. We cut over to Yukio, where she is in the Oyabun's office. Oyabun. It looks like he's gone out of town, so she she feels like he must have gotten scared from her visit, his visit from Wolverine, and she she sees in the other room that Carmen Pride is drunk. She realizes that it's Kitty's pr- father because his briefcase has his name on it. She's drinking some brandy. She... Thinks his taste is really good. 
And that's when she gets attacked by the sumo guy. Shumai! Shigematsu's bodyguard, a renegade sumo wrestler, she thinks to herself. And he is pushing her towards the window, and she is struggling, and it's not really doing much good. I'm going to toss you out the window, he says. Nobody can get rid of my sumo grip, but then she clobbers and she boxes his head and then she punches his eyeballs with her wrists and she's able to escape and she tosses him out the window. And now the tables are turned and he's clawing at the edge of the rooftop trying to get up and she saves him at the, or she, she grabs his hand at the last second and says, I can save you, but I need some information. And she's like, I'll tell you anything I want, anything you want to know. So yeah, he, 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 she talk, he talks, he's like, uh, uh, the girl, Ogun's got her. Why does Ogun have her? I don't know. He's crazy. He just wants her as payment rend- uh, for services rendered to Master Shigematsu. Now, please, pull me up. I've told you everything. It's true. So she pulls Shumai up, and Shumai's like, dummy. Well, she gets she gets distracted at first because Carmen Pride comes to the window and is like, hey, what's all the noise? And that's when... Uh, the sumo guy takes advantage – Shumai takes advantage of the situation and says, shouldn't have trusted me. So this is the third time in three issues where Carmen's appearance has ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> he should have really like stayed in bed two days ago or whenever. He's the worst. He's pretty bad. So much for generosity, says Yukio. Carmen attempts to correct uh, his bad behavior and is like, what are you doing, fellow? Leave her alone. <laughs> And so Shumai grabs Carmen and throws him into Yukio, and they are both falling to the ground. Yeah! Oh, hush, hush, silly man. So Yukio's in her element, falling out of a building. She grabs onto Carmen, finds a, uh, like 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 a window washer scaffolding, grabs onto it, grabs Carmen. They go crashing into the side of the building, breaking a whole bunch of glass and are able to fall, mostly harmless, onto the floor of some mid-section floor of this building while the scaffolding falls to the ground. I'm gonna be sick, says Carmen. Later. Do you hear those alarms? We gotta go. Rest assured, you mountain of suet, she says towards the ceiling because the sumo guy's up there. We shall meet again one last time. So we get a page that's uh, actually devoid of words, which is kind of an, kind of refreshing. Well, you know, there's some captions, but... Limited. And it is of the red demon person, Kitty. It's Kitty. We know that. It's Kitty. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She's running across, like, some building tops. She drops down, and she's hunting for Wolverine, and she finds the newspaper pile where, surprise to her, he was, because he's not there anymore. And uh, he says, surprise, sucker. I got better. Now it's my turn. You want to know what my problem with this panel is? Yes. Wolverine is smoking a cigar or a cigarette or whatever. Does does the does the person not smell this? Yeah, that would be kind of a giveaway. Yeah. That's it. That's my only yeah. problem. It's, Maybe he's upwind, I don't know. Who or knows? downwind or whatever wind it is. So he's tucked behind a wall and the red uh, well kitty, she's running through some people. There's some security guards there. He, the, the ninja, assumes he's being followed and tries to lose me in the hustling, bustling crowds of Tokyo Station. Right play, except that I've got his scent now. No way am I going to lose him. We get some, we get a fight scene in some very uh, familiar Frank Miller-esque panels, although these... Not, not as good. Yeah, the choreography here is not quite as uh, brutal as the Frank Miller no. 
panels were. It's a it's a it's an okay attempt, but it's no Frank Miller. Let's let's call it a reference yeah. or an homage. Homage, I like that. So they're fighting, and and no matter what Wolverine does, he keeps missing. Missed again. Either I'm getting too old, or something else isn't kosher. My mistake calling that ninja him. It's a girl. According to her scent, only one person she could be. But she's scrapping on my level. No one that young could have that skill. Took me more than a lifetime. Too many flaming questions. I won't find the answer sitting on my duff. So the way that this is being written and the way this is playing out is like, we're not supposed to know that that person is Kitty, but we know it's Kitty. No, I think I think he. We know that he says he says later what what's going on. Yeah, okay. But but yeah, he knows it's Kitty at this point. But he uh, uh, spoilers. He just doesn't want to believe it. Okay. Uh, a flash bomb is thrown at him, and she disappears. How's that possible? She can't fly, and she hasn't turned invisible. She had to duck inside the train. Doors are locked. Windows sealed. How'd she do it? Easy for someone who can phase through solid objects like a ghost. She sure knows how to scoot. <laughs> scoot she is, the futzer. <laughs> and Yukio shows up with Carmen. Uh, Yukio's like, don't wreck my car. Drive around back. I'm, I'm heading in. And meanwhile, they're kind of in a train station now, jumping from train to train. Uh, They've been jumping around for like an hour. Every which way we can. Over, under, around, and through. Every which way we can. And the ninja would rather run than fight. But then ever, uh, but whenever she looks over her shoulder, there I am. That's the idea, to chase her till she drops. I want her alive. Now more than ever. Yukio's running down the hallway, and he's like, there he is. His quarry's heading for the fence. I can cut them off. So she's going to cut him off the past. Carmen is also pulling up, and he says, good Lord, do they not see that train? And turns out that there's a bullet train with a top speed of over 200K heading down the tracks. It is not going 200K. It's it's at the very beginning of its route, so it's pretty slow, but... Still, you know, it, it'd still kill you. Yeah, and it's it's picking up speed. Like as soon as it passes underneath this little uh, this little bridge or whatever, that's going to crank up to full speed. And uh, that's when Kitty falls into the track, and uh, Wolverine jumps in front of the train, pulling Kitty and himself off the track just before the train can kill them. Kitty's mask goes falling off, flying off rather. I suppose I've known the truth from the moment I spotted her scent. I just didn't want to believe it, but now I've got no choice. Now that I finally see the, the ninja's face, that's when Carmen pulls up and he says, Kitty! What for? Because when Carmen says that, I'm imagining Wolverine kind of loses his edge, and Kitty stabs Wolverine through the chest. Through the heart, let's say. It is definitely left of center. Ouch. That's my last mistake, he thinks. Next issue. <clears throat> excuse me. Next issue. Rebirth. Dun, dun, dun. But that is going to take us to where uh, to where we're going to stop for this episode. But we'll pick it up next week for the next episode. And uh, based on the tr- Google Translate, I think you're right. It's so Ayabun. Uh, yeah. uh, so it must be Ogun. Uh, yeah. But I'm still going to call it Ogun. I think Ogun's much better. Good cliffhanger to li- to, to leave on there, Kitty Pride and, and Wolverine. Uh, uh, as I said before, I've never actually read it before, so this is. I've it. never read this one either. Um, so I like it so far. You know, we'll have to see how it how it finishes off. It's always been on my to do list, and I'm reading it from my Wolverine omnibus. Oh, 
I think there's also a Kitty Pride and Wolverine six-part trade paperback that I was debating picking up for this, but I never got around to it. Actually, I, I have all the issues. I should go down into the old uh, catalog and just dig them up for the next issue and read through them. I have the issues uh, as well, but sometimes reading it on that old newsprint, a little challenging, a little faded. <laughs> nice to have them, but uh, yeah. Anyways... Um, we, we got, uh, some email this week. Sure enough. And this is, uh, regarding our question of Storm and Forge's age. It comes in from Greg Fairholme, and he says that he thinks we're right, saying Forge is late 30s, early 40s. At this point in the comics, I'm assuming 2016, Storm and most of the X-Men are, uh, all written to be early 20s, with Colossus a mature 18 to 19. So maybe what he means is that at this point in the comics, 1984, those are the ages. And Kitty is 13 to 16. Okay, that's probably right. And he's deducing that from the first appearance uh, of Kitty to when she joins Excalibur. Uh, then the original X-Men are late 20s or 5 to 10 years older than everyone else on the team with Beast being early 30s. Okay. In the current run, the originals are very late 20s, early 30s with Beast in his mid-30s. Storm Rogue are in their late 20s. Bishop and Ford are about 40. Cable is more like 50. And Kitty's about 22. Uh, which makes sense since they've added more and more teen mutants over the years and lumping her in with them doesn't feel right. Keep up the good work. I feel like this is mostly correct, except I have trouble with Kitty as a 22-year-old in in the in the Grant Morrison run that I bring up all the time. She seems like she's late 20s. Late 20s. Okay. Yeah. Mid to, mid to late 20s. When I read her in uh, Astonishing X-Men, I definitely got that early 20s vibe a very oh, really oh okay well maybe maybe i just need to recheck it out then a, a very mature early 20s but then again kitty's always been you know a mature youngster so so how old is emma frost in that run <laughs> uh a very hot 40 <laughs> everything that she's been through she was a headmistress of a school she's part of the hellfire club you know in the inner circle and i can't imagine they're going to let like a 24 year old woman into the inner circle of the hellfire club maybe they are even though sebastian shaw he's like 40 well they they let jean gray in yeah well it's because they wanted to use her for her powers that was different <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i i find uh yeah uh, uh she, she's a hot 38 a 42-year-old woman. Okay. I, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I see Emma Frost. All right. She works out a lot. Uh, and she, she's a vegetarian, and uh, she, she doesn't eat carbs. But she, okay. she, she, she definitely eats healthy vegetables and whatnot. To, uh, she doesn't eat empty carbs, I should say. How's that? She eats mines. She eats mines, yes. That's how she stays thin. <laughs> yeah she's like uh do you ever read invincible yeah i read the first like 75 oh okay well spoilers adam eve gains a whole bunch of weight when she stops using her power because it's determined that uh using her powers was a source of caloric burn and mm. so when she wasn't able to 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 you know change up other a activities like she just kept eating normal but she stopped using her powers she she gained weight uh and so maybe that's what happens with Emma Frost is that she burns calories by burning mines. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, yeah. So as far as ages go, it's always super tricky in the X-Men universe. Honestly, at this point of the run, like 2016, I'd have to put Wolverine like – not Wolverine, but uh, uh, Cyclops, you know, definitely late 30s, don't you think? 37, 38? I don't know. He's probably – yeah, I, I, would, I would probably say mid-30s. Yeah. Well, there you go. 
If anybody from Marvel would care to, you know, drop us a note or be on the show to give us some official statistics on ages, we'd be more than happy to to have you on the show and to set up your appearance or let us, uh, you know, let us know your details. You could do so by visiting us at uh, www.xmenpodcast.com, going over to facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast or following us or tweeting at us or retweeting us at Danger Room Go. Or you can email us, DangerRoom at RedCatProductions.com. We're available on Stitcher. Or you can go into iTunes. Just go to the store and type in Danger Room. We're the first podcast that will show up. Or you can give us a phone call at 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. Whew. Indeed. And that'll do it, Adam. We're not reading anything else tonight, are we? No, no, we're good. We're good to go. Well, then, till next time, I'm Jeremy. All right. I'm Adam. Danger Room is closed.